Welcome to Lifebeat. I'm your host, Anna Visser, Director of Communications and Education at Right to Life of Michigan. I'm here with Chris Gass, our Education Coordinator at Right to Life of Michigan. Emily is taking a break this week from our three-person podcast so that me and Chris can talk about the Hyde Amendment. So we've been talking about the Hyde Amendment for quite some time now. It's been a couple months, and you're probably wondering why we have dedicated so much of our time and energy into talking about the Hyde Amendment and educating you all and even creating a campaign about it. What is so significant about the Hyde Amendment and why should we keep fighting for it? That's what you're going to find out in this episode. We're going to tell you why it's so important and we're going to really dive into the history and Henry Hyde and what is happening with it today. So to start out, we're going to talk about who created it, which is Henry Hyde. Henry Hyde's political career started when he graduated from Loyola Law School. And then he practiced law for a bit and got a seat in state legislation in 1966. So by this time, Henry Hyde had already lived a lot of life. He was a husband and a father, practiced law for a little bit, and he was also also a basketball player. And so... Baseball? No, basketball? I think it was basketball. Oh, okay. He was like... He did not have the body type for basketball player. No, just, <laughs> no, just kidding. So. I think he he went pretty far in basketball. Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't Maybe know Maybe I'm wrong. I, I know he know went that. far in some sport, but I'm pretty sure it's basketball. <laughs> so a couple years later, in 1974, he won the 6th Congressional District of Illinois in the U.S. House of Representatives. So he won a seat in that. As a member of the House, he was presented with a bill to legalize abortion. And he didn't know much about abortion at this time. It had been, or I think it was a bill to support abortion because abortion had already been legalized in 1973. And he, this was a year later that he was presented with this bill. And he didn't know much about it. So he was like, I'm gonna do a bunch of research so I can make an educated decision about this. And once he did this research, he realized that he should actually be fighting against this bill. This is when the start of his legacy began as a defender of the unborn. And then abortion became legalized just a year before he won the seat. And so between 1973 and 1977, the federal and state government covered 300,000 abortions through Medicaid, which equated to somewhere around 45 to $55 million. And so once this issue became, a, became apparent that taxpayers were paying all this money towards abortion, that's when Henry Hyde came up with the Hyde Amendment to fight against this. And so the Hyde Amendment was enacted in 1976 by uh, 312 to 97 or 93 vote in the House. Right when this amendment came to be, came enacted, it gained a lot of bipartisan support because, you know, in this time, majority of people 
didn't support abortion or didn't publicly say that they supported abortion, so it had a lot of bipartisan support. From 1976 to now even, it has a lot of bipartisan support from Republicans and Democrats, even if they do support abortion. Yeah, that's something people don't really think about a lot, is there's a lot of people who would say, I'm pro-choice, or I'm not sure what I believe on abortion, but I absolutely do support uh, you know, bans on taxpayer-funded abortion. And you know, it's funny, Henry Hyde is one of those few people that actually did a little research in the issue before mm -hmm. just, you know, deciding I'm going to do this or my party leader says do this. So um, he had a great quote, uh, something about, you know, when he gets to heaven, I suspect that there's going to be a lot of people there cheering for us uh, and a lot of them were never born here on this earth. And so... Um, he had a lot of great quotes. He did, and he, what a great legacy. You know, yeah. millions of people are alive today because he was willing to stand up and fight. Yeah, he said, um, the promise of America is just not for the privilege, the plan, or the perfect. None of us are perfect. But yeah, you can see the bipartisan support even in today because recent polls show that two-thirds of Americans still support the Hyde Amendment and don't want their money going towards abortions. But a little bit of history to really kind of understand the atmosphere around when the Hyde Amendment was enacted. So one of Henry Hyde's biggest opposers was Democrat Elizabeth Holtzman from New York. And so she kind of viewed the amendment as a way to discriminate against poor women. And even today, that is pro-abortion people's and leaders' biggest argument that they still use is that if you don't use taxpayer money to fund abortions, that you are like eliminating access to abortions for a bunch of poor people and poor women. Um, but We've seen that in recent polls, the Hyde Amendment stopping these funds does not affect, affect poor women. And it actually shows that it's the richer women who think that it affects them. Ironically enough. Yes. So we're also going to look at what the political climate was during this time to better understand how the Hyde Amendment came to be in the history. Uh, Democrat Jimmy Carter and Republican Gerald Ford were running for the president at this time in 1976 and both publicly stated that they opposed abortion. Because Roe versus Wade had just been decided three years before the Hyde Amendment was enacted, the political climate was a mix of pro-abortion people that were fighting very loudly and then a majority of people and leaders who were anti-abortion but were just f fighting or supporting quietly because it was so normal at that time to be anti-abortion but the people that were pro-abortion were like the minority but they were just being loud about it so this affected the Hyde Amendment and so once it was enacted in 1976 it wasn't until four years later that it was actually implemented because for those four years, opposers of the amendment were taking it to court to oppose its 
constitutionality, I guess. The most famous case was Harris versus McRae, where a pregnant woman who wanted to use Medicaid to fund her abortion took it to court and she was actually um, represented by the Reproduction Freedom Project, the Center of Constitutional Rights and Planned Parenthood. So they represented this pregnant woman and they also represented a group of healthcare workers who opposed the amendment. Um, but ultimately the court decided that the amendment was constitutional so it became implemented in 1980. And at the time that Supreme Court was, uh, you know, this still almost the same court that uh, supported Roe versus Wade. So very pro-abortion court found that the Hyde Amendment was totally constitutional. And I just find it so interesting, even from the beginning, Planned Parenthood has been arguing against the Hyde Amendment, but if, if Planned Parenthood felt so bad for poor women paying for abortions, why, you know, Planned Parenthood makes over a billion dollars a year, almost a billion and a half. They make a profit every year of averaging about a hundred million dollar profit a year. If Planned Parenthood wanted to pay for every poor woman abortion, poor woman's abortion that came into their facility, they could cover it and still make a profit. Who are Planned Parenthood's donors? Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, the Rockefeller, the richest people in the world, billionaires. The only reason that poor women can't afford an abortion is because Planned Parenthood wants to make more money off of them. So the whole idea. The Planned Parenthood is going to stick their necks, uh, is going to go out there and defend, you know, poor women having abortions, and it's so necessary to get rid of this Hyde Amendment because otherwise, what are women going to do? Well, just remember that the person making that argument is laughing their way to the bank, and hopefully, they're going to be putting your money into their checking account if they give their way. I mean, yeah, you can see that with even Nancy Pelosi that was saying, "I'm a Catholic mom of what six kids." Does she have? And she was like, I, but I don't want to take away funding for poor women that need it. Even though... She has an ice cream chest full of like <laughs> 9 million flavors of ice cream, you know? Well, yeah. Maybe that, she should donate some of that, you know? that study shows I'm that... Sure President Biden would like some ice cream. Yeah, yeah. that study <laughs> shows that it's the rich women that think that poor women want that and they don't. Yeah. I know. People, some people just don't stop and think it through like good old Henry Hyde. <laughs> so obviously there is a bipartisan support and majority of Americans support the Hyde Amendment even right from when it started till now. But throughout the years there has been some opposition and the amendment has been dulled down from the original provisions of it. So the original provision was that it didn't fund any abortions with tax dollars except for when the mother's life was threatened by carrying the baby to term. In 1993, then President Clinton added another exception, which was the Medicaid could cover the abortion if the woman was a victim of rape or incest. And Clinton kind of initiated this change because maybe not secretly, but not publicly, he supported abortion. So this was kind of his way of 
slyly supporting abortion without publicly saying it because at that time if you had said that you were pro-abortion you would lose you know you would jeopardize your re-election you would jeopardize your role as president and people would not support you anymore so he didn't want to jeopardize that but we can see in you know changing the Hyde Amendment and also when he awarded his wife Hillary the Margaret Stanger Award from Planned Parenthood. Those are just kind of moments that you can see where he was trying to slyly support abortion, but didn't want to say it publicly. Yeah, it, uh, you know, those are the days of the whole safe, legal, and rare thing, emphasis on rare, and um, he obviously would have gotten rid of all of it if he thought he could, um, but that didn't work. You know, when Clinton got elected too, he's going to, revamp health care, you know, with Hillary Clinton care, that didn't work. You know, Bill Clinton was an expert in the media. Even I as a kid could realize, you know, a real expert at portraying himself as just this aw shucks kind of guy, this Arkansas governor is just getting things done um, when he had some pretty radical views on issues. But at least he was uh, intelligent enough to really... Uh, or prudential enough, that's never a word you're ever going to hear in a sentence with Bill Clinton very often, prudence in Bill Clinton, but um, at least in his personal life. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he knew his limits and he worked within them. He was very successful, uh, unfortunately, getting that exception, which we still have to this day. And Hillary Clinton, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Hyde Amendment stops puts a band on taxpayers funding abortions federally. But each state has the right to actually decide if they want their own funds to go towards funding abortion. Um, luckily, Michigan is not one of those states. We actually have a band on Medicaid abortions and that started in 1988. Mm -hmm. By Petition Drive. Yep. And 47% of the voters. So, I think. Yes, it is 57% <laughs> of the voters. We're so, we're so awesome. We pass bills with minor knowledge. <laughs> 57% of voters supported this band. So, um, because before this, Michigan was actually covering half of the abortions that were happening in the state as a whole. And so then within the first two years of this band, abortions declined by 25%, which is great. And that ultimately saved 250,000 babies as of today, since 1988. Um, but there are still other states out there that don't have this band and they use their own Medicaid funding to pay for abortions. I think it's around 16 or 17 states that don't have a band on it anymore. Yeah, California, Oregon, New York, those kinds of states. Yeah. It's so interesting because whenever we do a petition drive, the other side says, oh, they're doing it because how you do it is we, it works in Michigan, you can collect signatures, you initiate legislation, the legislature votes on it, it becomes law without the governor's signature, which we've had to do because we've had one pro-life governor since 1973. And so the other side always says, oh, well, they're doing this because, you know, they're not putting it up for a vote because they know they don't have the support. Well, the, let's see here, twice an abortion issue has been before the public in Michigan. 
both times we won. And this uh, Medicaid ban was one of them. You know, they said, oh, they're doing it because people don't support this, even though, you know, opinion polls, like we mentioned at the beginning, show that two-thirds of Americans support these bipartisan group of people. Um, well, uh, we got it passed. The other side collected signatures to challenge it. It went to a vote. We won. The people have spoken. Democracy, Anna, <laughs> democracy. Respect democracy. Don't overturn democracy, right? Right. Don't overturn elections. Right. Now that we talked about the history and everything surrounding that, we're going to talk about how the Hyde Amendment works. And maybe some of you are wondering, you know, if this is so important, why hasn't it become a permanent law? Why haven't we tried to just make it a law so we don't have to keep dealing with it every year? Each year, a federal budget is proposed by the president, which then gets voted on by the House of Representatives and the Senate before becoming final, which is what the process that we're in right now, currently. So the House and the Senate can bring forth amendments that are then voted on by their colleagues. These amendments are called appropriation amendments, and they expire on September 30 each year. A portion of the federal budget is designated for the Department of Health and Human Services. Before the Hyde Amendment, funds that were granted to this department could be used to fund abortions with taxpayers' money. The Hyde Amendment was created as a limitation amendment, or some people say a rider. This means that the amendment exempts the money within the budget from going towards abortions. So each year, the Hyde Amendment goes through the voting process from the president to the House to the Senate and then to a final vote by everyone. Republicans in Congress have tried countless times to make the amendment a permanent law. So this is where it comes in. You're asking, why hasn't the Hyde Amendment created as a, as a law when it was originally enacted by Henry Hyde? And then we wouldn't have to deal each year with going through this process and wondering what the fate in the future of this amendment was. So right after Roe versus Wade was decided and abortions were being performed legally, people started to notice that Medicaid was funding the abortions. Like I mentioned earlier, this is when Henry Hyde sought out to fight for conscious rights of taxpayers. And at this time, it wasn't intended to be a permanent law because there was a widespread support of it. It wasn't, um, and nobody thought twice about not forcing people to go against their morals. Um, back then, they had more optimism that people would uphold the rights of Americans to not go against their religious beliefs and morals, and it seemed absurd to them to force people to pay for abortions. So they just simply didn't see the need to make it a permanent law because they thought that it was crazy that they just needed to go to that length to do that. And so, fast forward to today, pro-life leaders have been fighting for a permanent law since 2017. And um, we haven't been successful yet. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about it and campaigning so much. Um, but there are some actions that we can take today to move in the right direction to make sure that the Hyde Amendment can one day become a permanent law. And that would be to vote in pro-life presidents, to elect pro-life um, members of the House and the Senate and our governor, just all around a pro-life 
leadership within our government and that would definitely move us in the direction of not having to keep fighting this every year. So elections have consequences and a, a little <laughs> lesson on pragmatism from Bill Clinton. So some of you may be asking, well, in 2017, didn't we have a pro-life majority in the House and the U.S. Senate and a pro-life president in Donald Trump? We absolutely did. However, what was the big priority at the time was defunding Planned Parenthood because you know, rather than the Hyde Amendment, Planned Parenthood makes you know, all this money, more than $500 million from taxpayers every year. So that was a real priority. And actually there was legislation to do that. It was coupled with the repeal of Obamacare. And a lot of people don't realize that even though we had a, a slightly larger Republican majority in the U.S. Senate, not every Republican in the U.S. Senate is pro-life. So this defunding of Planned Parenthood failed because uh, there were only 50 votes for it. So in other words, Mike Pence was the tie-breaking vote. We couldn't lose a single vote. And John McCain at the 11th hour decided he didn't like the Obamacare repeal, and so he sunk the whole thing. And then before uh, that could be restarted and redone to John McCain's satisfaction, in Alabama, uh, the, the U.S. Senate race, Doug Jones won that race and was pro-abortion uh, because uh, Jeff Sessions was nominated to a cabinet post, I think, oh, I can't even remember, Attorney General, I think, um, by, by President Trump. And President Trump and the pro-life people, whatever, they all said vote for this guy named Luther Strange. Alabama voters didn't do that in the primary. They voted for... Um, Roy Moore, very controversial guy, he lost in the general election, and so we lost our pro-life majority, and so we didn't get a defund of Planned Parenthood, and we certainly didn't get, uh, you know, a permanent law protecting taxpayers from funding abortions. So, don't be like Bill Clinton too much, but, you know, sometimes you have to make pragmatic decisions to get a actual positive victory, and so... In order to do that, another time we need an actual real pro-life majority in the U.S. Senate and not to spit on the dead, uh, you know, on the grave of John McCain, but we do not want pro-life senators or we don't want any senators who vote like John McCain, so. <laughs> How is the Hyde Amendment doing today? Well, once again, it's being dulled down by pro-abortion government leaders. President Biden, who has supported the Hyde Amendment in the past before he became president, released his 2022 federal budget proposal and just didn't include the Hyde Amendment. So the U.S. House of Representatives took a vote at the end of July on each of the appropriation amendments and voted to not include the Hyde Amendment. The Senate took a vote on the federal budget amount overall about two weeks ago and were able to bring forward amendments that they thought should be added. And so the Hyde Amendment was brought up and they were able to vote on it and it won to be included in the budget by a 50 to 49 vote. And that only happened because Joe Manchin, Democrat Joe Manchin, voted pro-life. So good job, Joe Manchin. Don't be John McCain, Joe Manchin. <laughs> yeah. So yes, the Senate took a vote. So now the next step is for the House and the Senate to 
reconcile their differences to create a final budget. And this is going to probably take some time because I'm assuming they have a lot of differences. And so they're going to have to go to a conference to come up with a budget that is identical. And then um, this should take place in the fall. And while all of this is taking place and until the fall, we do have a campaign that's going on right now. And you can be a part of it by going to our website. And we have a pro-life action response team tool where you can actually contact the House and the Senate directly. So you can email them and tell them that you don't want your tax dollars going to fund abortions. But you can also call them call their office and I would encourage you to do that as well as emailing because it is more effective and um, they can't really filter out those calls. So our campaign can be found at our website at rtl.org, should be right on our front page mm -hmm. on the banner. To end it on a positive note, as of today, the Hyde Amendment has saved two million 409 and 311 lives. So that is why we keep fighting for it, why we keep talking about it, why we keep campaigning for it, and why we believe that you should also join us. Absolutely. So go to rtl.org and make it happen and be a part of that two, almost 2.5 million lives saved because those lives are riding on us moving forward every day. They are. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Life Beat, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.